The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So I'm trying to figure out what on earth uh, President Biden is planning to say tonight. Obviously, he just came back from Israel where he reiterated that he stands with Israel and uh, he's going to make some kind of statement tonight. And and you can always imagine what it's going to be, right? It's going to be like, well, but we want proportionality and all this, the usual nonsense, right? But I just read an article and it's weird because when I read the article, I said, how come nobody is talking about this? And just before Dan Bongino signed off, he must have read the same article that I read, and he was saying, oh my God, I got to talk about this tomorrow. So I apologize, um, Dan. Sometimes coming on at three o'clock is actually uh, somewhat advantageous, but um, there's no way I cannot talk about this. I have been so upset since I read it, trying to wrap my mind around what, what it is that they're talking about in this article, it's in the um, it's in the the Wall Street Journal, I believe, today, and it is definitely in the JNS, in the Jewish News Service, which is where I read it. And I'm 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 actually sick to my stomach reading this. I, I don't even know if I can possibly tell the whole story and not lose my cool while doing it. But apparently there is a drug that the terrorists have been taking, which enables them to stay awake for long periods of time. And it also apparently enabled them to commit this these heinous, heinous crimes and be completely calm while doing it. So in the Jerusalem Post, that's where the article that I read was. It says, this is the drug that Hamas terrorists took to help them. It's called Captagon. And they found these pills in the pockets of the terrorists. And of course, they always like to give you a little photographic evidence and they're these little tiny white pills. And apparently, the entire group of terrorists who carried out that surprise attack were under the influence of Captagon. I don't even know if that's the right pronunciation. I've never heard of this drug before. It's a synthetic amphetamine-type stimulant that has been produced in Southern Europe and it has been trafficked throughout the Middle East, which is another subject entirely that we're going to have to start talking about, narco-terrorism, which is a real problem. So they, I guess they in, invented a drug that literally mimics, I guess, cocaine. They call it 
cocaine for the poor, this stimulant drug. And it keeps them very alert for long periods of time. It suppresses their appetite. You can't go on the rampage if you're hungry. And then it, uh, it makes them rather numb, is my guess. So captagen originally was n- discovered, and I don't remember this news story at all. Maybe I missed it, or maybe it wasn't covered much. But apparently, this is a drug that ISIS fighters were using when they were carrying out all their terrorist operations because it suppresses fear. And when ISIS sort of got defeated, or diminished at least, then Lebanon and Syria began producing and distributing the drug on an enormous scale. And guess what one of the most popular marketplaces for the drug was? Yeah, Gaza. Especially among young men, addicted young men. This is a drug that apparently was initially developed for attention deficit disorders and narcolepsy and even depression. It's highly addictive and has the potential for inducing psychotic reactions. But it's apparently very popular in the Middle East uh, because it's affordable and it's easy to manufacture. In poor countries, the drug can be purchased for a buck or two. While in wealthier nations, it may cost up to $20 per pill. Its primary effects include arousing feelings of euphoria, reducing the need for sleep, suppressing the appetite, and providing sustained energy. According to medical professionals in Lebanon and Syria, captagen, or captagon, I don't know how it's pronounced, is not only prevalent among fighters, but is also frequently used by desperate civilians residing in conflict zones. You got to be alert when the bombs are dropping. This used to be a big source of revenue for ISIS. They did a lot of drug smuggling, but it is now, now this is where you have to really start paying attention to stories like this. It is now a major source of income for Syria. And guess who's doing most of the importation and smuggling of this drug? Hezbollah. Around two years ago, an investigation was conducted by the New York Times, and it revealed that individuals associated with Syrian dictator Bashar Assad, including his family members, had established a thriving industry for the production of Captagon, or Captagon. I really still don't know how it's pronounced. The industry involves Hezbollah, is overseen by Assad's brother, and is a very prosperous enterprise. In the middle of a a civil war that's been going on for over 10 years in Syria. And apparently the profits that they get from this drug trade are more than the profits they make on legitimate exports. Reliable estimate. Now, let me ask you a question. If Donald Trump's family was involved in this, 
Would the New York Times have like written one article and then never mentioned it again? Uh, somehow I don't believe that. Reliable estimates suggest that Captagon's exports from Syria alone reached a minimum of $3.5 billion in 2020. That's five times more than all of the legal export industries combined in Syria. I think that they are estimated at about $700 million, or at least they were in 2020. So you know that that's an underestimate, that it's probably way more than that because the actual market value of these drugs is probably a lot higher. For example, in Saudi Arabia, it is estimated that consumption of Captagon or Captagon surpasses 600 million pills every year, meaning that it has a market value of at least nine to $12 billion every year. And it goes way beyond Saudi Arabia. They have found it in Italy, in Greece, in Malaysia, and in Egypt. In Jordan, you can get it cheap. So it's very popular among underprivileged youth, including kids in school, school-age kids. And it just keeps getting worse every year. In December of 2021, Kuwaiti authorities seized 9 million pills hidden in a shipment of oranges. The week before that, Dubai authorities intercepted the smuggling of one and a half tons of these pills worth approximately $380 million within a cargo of lemons. I have a friend who's coming back from Dubai today, as a matter of fact. I'm going to ask. I'm not that, you know, they would know much about drugs. They're not that type. But think about that. Last year alone, more than 250 million pills were thwarted from being smuggled. That's an 18-fold increase compared to four years ago. And that's only, that's only accounting for the shipments that they actually caught. So you can only imagine how many quantities got in that we, they don't know about, that there's no record of. So let me ask you a question. It's now on the streets of Israel where it's selling, I don't know, cheap. And how unsafe do you feel now? Let me tell you something. If this is a cheap cocaine-like, amphetamine-like drug, you know it's got to be on the streets of America. And if it isn't yet, it will be. Because we got a southern border that's wide open. We have people coming across that border from everywhere, including these nations, which I just said, have a real problem with this captogen captagon pill. Not to mention, if it has the effect on everyone that it had on those murderous garbage terrorists that literally went on a, an unhuman, almost zombie-like rampage through the kibbutz, through the music festival, through the homes of towns near Gaza, we're in trouble. That's all I'm going to say.
The whole world is in serious trouble. I mean, one thing I've always said is you have no idea the level of despair in many of these exile or illegal immigrant communities. No clue. Because believe it or not, I know we all say everybody wants to come to America, but most people would rather be able to stay in their own countries. They leave because life becomes untenable or unbearable for them. So now you couple this drug that basically looks like it steals your conscience, makes you <laughs> like Superman, only more like Lex Luthor. And you can go for hours and hours killing. You become literally a killing machine. I stopped worrying about AI when I read this article in the Jerusalem Post and I started worrying about uh, uh, this drug. And the idea that I knew so little about it, and I'm pretty, you know, listen, I, I got the feeling, I don't, haven't heard Dan Bongino talk about it yet, but I know he's going to do it tomorrow because he said he is. But all I kept thinking was like if people like he and I are just first making comments about this, really, I'm just learning about it. How deep and how dark is this rabbit hole that I'm about to go down in? Because it sounds just frightening to me. And I have sat here, we've all sat here, and every radio personality that I know I mean, they don't even have to be conservative for me to say this. Looked at those horrific images of what went on and how these terrorists were literally videotaping and putting on people's Facebook pages on their person who they were killing's Facebook page. These brutal scenes, decapitate a baby. These kinds of things are really just beyond our ability to understand at any level. It really is like a, a zombie apocalypse when you look at some of that video. I can't watch much of it. I, I, I forced myself to watch some because one has to know. But I kept watching it and saying to myself, how? How does a human being just push aside all of their normal human emotions? You know, I was watching something. I wasn't really watching it. My husband was watching some Romans in Scotland, I don't know, but some one of his shows that he likes, one of these series. And they had a young boy who was fighting, he was Scottish, and he was fighting against, I don't know, some tribes. It was set in a very long time ago. And he came up to a small boy, and he just couldn't, couldn't, well, you're not pulling a trigger, but he couldn't stab, he couldn't, stick his sword into this young boy because it was a young boy and he himself was maybe a teenager because no matter how much you hate your enemy at some point when you're looking down at a child something happens and you may be incapable of doing it pulling the trigger whatever I remember the one time that I was um stopped and, and pulled my gun and was unable to use it. The reason I was unable to use it was because I was looking into the face of a 14-year-old. And I had to learn after that, that 14-year-old would have killed me in a heartbeat. 
If he had gotten my gun, he would have shot me. So I had the presence of mind to get away. But it's very difficult for a human being to murder a child, even a child who's attempting to hurt you. So when I looked at the videos that these Hamas terrorists made of the brutality of this rampage, I kept saying, how did they do that? Well, maybe now we have the answer. And what kind of drug is this? Anyway, don't forget to download the 850 WFTL app. That way you can hear all the No Restraint podcasts as well as uh, not just my podcast, but everybody's, Bill's and the UAP. And of course, the podcasts of our shows. If you miss any portion of a show, you can go back and listen to it later. And I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. So apparently uh, the, the drug is uh, phenethylene, a synthetic drug of the phenethylamine family to which, of course, amphetamine also belongs. And it's a Schedule One drug here in this country, so no, you can't get it legally. But apparently, in Eastern Europe, particularly Bulgaria, it's being produced, and these new counterfeit tablets are being produced not just in Bulgaria anymore, but in Syria. And the normalization for Syria has been held up, well, first and foremost, because they've got a brutal dictator who's killing mostly his own people. But apparently, when they started cracking down on production of this drug by, in Turkey and in Bulgaria, uh, Bashar al-Assad said, well, hey, I got a brother, he'll do it. And uh, Damascus, of course, says, uh, we have nothing to do with this, I don't know what you're talking about. But how has he managed... To stay there, it takes billions of dollars to maintain that, that illicit kingdom of his in Syria. So was this drug his economic lifeline? The Syrian government is using Hezbollah and, and producing a drug that literally... It looks like uh, could be a, a, a large reason why those Hamas terrorists were able to do what they did as quickly and as, unfortunately, efficiently as they did and with seeming so little human reaction. You know, as a person who has studied at great length the effect of narcotics on people's conscience, on people's ability to uh, superfunction, meaning, you know, look, we give drugs to kids if they're a little hyperactive, okay, we're going to put them on a drug. And if they are uh, have a little attention deficit up, oh, we're going to put them on a drug. So we have all of these kids whose serotonin uptake is compromised before they're 10, before they're pubescent. And then they're seeking that same sort of feeling. And I see it all the time. I see it in these young addicts that are, you know, succumbing to fentanyl overdoses in Broward and Palm Beach County. We see a great deal of that down here. 
you know, I sit on the board of a of a facil- of a nonprofit that that deals with this every day. And to know that they've been smuggling this stuff into Gaza and even onto the streets of Israel, which is really a big concern. And I, you know, I, I have to tell you, I've studied a lot of drugs. I can tell you all about the drugs that are on the streets of Fort Lauderdale. I, wait, I know way more than I want to because we have to deal with it at South Florida Wellness Network. So uh, I'm apprised of it. I know how to administer Narcan to overdoses. I mean, I wish I didn't know as much as I do, but I have never heard of this drug, Captagon. Never. And here I see that uh, even in the United Kingdom, they're saying 80% of the world's Captagon is produced in Syria and is a financial lifeline. That's what I said, for al-Assad's regime. It's worth approximately... Three times, no, I can't believe this. It's worth approximately three times the combined trade of the Mexican cartels. So in other words, Hezbollah and all these other Iranian-backed militias have facilitated an industry, created a growing addiction crisis in these very uh, repressive places like Gaza, so that you have all this regional instability and a bunch of lunatics. In December uh, last year, the U.S. introduced the Coptagon Act, which mandates that U.S. agencies target the illicit trade amid fears that the drug could appear on U.S. shores. It's got to be here already. It's got to be. There's just no way when we have a porous border and people streaming across it from Egypt and Iraq and Jordan and Saudi Arabia and Syria and, uh, and Gaza, there's no way that that drug is not here. A Syrian drug smuggler by the name of Marai al-Ramthan and his family were just killed just a week or so ago by, apparently, they're claiming that the Jordanian military did it because he was the most prominent drug trafficker in the region and the number one smuggler of that drug into Jordan. So let's see. You know, the Arab League is bringing Syria back into its fold after 12 years of watching what they've done to their own people. This is a drug, a stimulant drug, that maybe helps me to understand why those zombies, apocalyptic zombies, were able to do what they did at the level that they did it. And now you got to realize that drug is out there. It's out there and Hezbollah has it. I would be very, very afraid right now And of course, Israel has now said they're going into Gaza. They're doing the ground incursion into Gaza. And I got Rashida Tlaib, as uh, Dan Bongino was pointing out in his uh, first half of his show. She's out there, you know, just drumming the beat, you know, trying to get people all upset and convincing them that something that didn't happen did happen and that they should do something about it. In other words, 
you know, turn on your own country. If you're an American of Palestinian descent, you have to turn on your own country. That's basically what she told them. And then they, they uh, took over an entire building in the Capitol. But hey, it wasn't uh, an insurrection. I don't want anybody out there to get the wrong idea. A hundred people got arrested, but it wasn't an insurrection. You didn't even have a hundred people arrested on January 6th. But on October 18th, we had over a hundred people arrested. But it's not an insurrection. You know why? Because they're Democrats. Let me take a quick break. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So, like, I didn't have enough things to worry about. Now I got to worry about a drug that turns you into a monster. It's just, uh, it's just everywhere I turn, it seems like there is more incredibly bad news. And all it is try to try to analyze it as quickly as possible so I can get it to you. I mean, I know exactly. I I could sense the frustration at the end of Dan Bacino's show today. Because here he sees that this is a story that needs to be told, and he's about to go off the air. And I, 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 t- I can't even tell you how many times that has happened to me over the last 30-plus years. Fortunately, for both he and I, most news breaks between the hours of noon, or actually probably closer to like between 10 o'clock in the morning and 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's when most stories really do have a tendency to either break or be brought home. And so, you know, that does put us in a, in a pretty good position to talk about most issues. But a lot, of, a lot of what you wanna talk about on any given day, there's just not enough information yet. And I, the one thing I like about him is that he won't talk about it until he's, you know, ma- managed to do a little research. And that's what I've been doing for the last two and a half hours while he was on the air. I'm on the internet listening to him, but he didn't mention this. And I'm looking at this article and then I'm doing all these, you know, searches for what is this drug and how, when was the first time we heard this drug mentioned and where was this drug, uh, you know, where did it show up first? Oh, ISIS. Okay. And then, you know, the, like I said, this rabbit hole got really deep, really quickly. And now I can guarantee that by tomorrow, this will be the most talked about subject, maybe even by tonight. Because this is pretty scary. Those of us who looked at any of that video and saw the complete lack of of empathy in the face of those terrorists, no matter what your feeling was about it, and outrage and rage and all the rest of it is a given, on some level, I found it so unbelievable that you could be that detached from any kind of human empathy. I mean, people people don't treat animals the way they treated the human beings. I don't care how angry you are at an individual. It's very personal to end the other person's life. It's not something you do without some conscience having to either accept or reject the act. And just watching those young men, one after, the one thing I have not seen, and I mentioned this because today while I was going down this rabbit hole, 
I was looking for evidence that there were females also involved. You know, I have yet to see any images of female paraglider terrorists. That doesn't mean that they're not out there. I just haven't seen any. And, and all of the stories that I was reading about this drug, it looks as if this drug is primarily marketed to young men and even teenage men, but not a whole lot was evident in any of the research I've done so far. Now, listen, maybe by tomorrow I'll have more information. I'll be able to, you know, add women to it because thanks to women's liberation, we, we now do all the same things as men, including get ourselves uh, into some pretty terrible situations and take some pretty terrible drugs and do some pretty heinous crimes and all the rest of it. You know, I, I go into the jails, as you guys know, all the time. And I remember 30 years ago, it was very rare for me to find women incarcerated for capital offenses, for felonies. I mean, it happened, but it was rare. Now, now, now it's, it's an everyday occurrence. You know, it's no longer odd, which is a tragic statement. Because women are nurturers. Women are the ones who are supposed to be caring for weak and, and small humans and, and even weak and small animals. So it's never shocking to me when I think about the military and I say, well, who have we always sent to the front lines? We've always sent young males. And when we started to send women into the military, I still fought the good fight and I'm still fighting it to today. I think it is a rare exception to find a woman who should be on the front lines. I'm not saying there are none. I'm just saying it's a different, it's a different breed and it's rare. I think they probably make great pilots and uh, all kinds of Military service is appropriate, and women should be able to serve. But you look at the, the young soldiers in Israel right now, the men and the women, and you know that there's going to be a very different reaction when a male soldier had to go in to the kibbutz and look at the horror that was done than if you send a 19-year-old female in there I mean, give me a break. Even these young boys, they had these young Orthodox boys who are digging graves now. Let me see if I can find that. Mel Melanie Phillips, she's uh, over there um, packing bags of food for the volunteers. She said there's a bigger volunteer army than ever before, not just the people who are conscripted, but uh, you know, in society. Because volunteering is a way that we we can manage grief and depression when something as traumatic as this massacre happens. And it kind of numbs the dread of what might happen when you got missiles being lobbed at you from Lebanon. And of course, knowing that you're going to lose troops who go into the Gaza. So the, the death toll continues to go up. We now know there's over 200 hostages and at least Two dozen of them are Americans. They're still finding bodies, including 
the charred remains of people who were burned in their own homes. So now, when they go into Gaza, who knows what horrors are waiting for them? Not just horrors to themselves with uh, IEDs and all the, you know, booby traps and all the rest of it. But what about when they find these hostages? We know that, I, I think the number I saw just earlier today was 50 are children of the 200 hostages. 50 are kids. What condition are these kids in? What is a young woman soldier going to feel as she tries to rescue a half, half dead child who's been held hostage and put through who knows what kind of torture and starved and deprived, watch their parents be murdered in front of them? This kind of horror... I'm almost somewhat relieved that they were on some drug when they did it because the thought that they could do this and maintain any kind of humanity afterwards is very hard for me to very hard for me to deal with. So but I think she she talked about uh Melanie Phillips talked about uh how many of the people who are currently volunteering in one way or another have come together and banded together because the horror is too much to think about. The suffering, having to witness it, and then to know that that they put missiles in their apartment buildings. And, and I don't even want to talk about you know, Rashida Tlaib and all of these other people who who want to say that they targeted a hospital. First and foremost, an article today says that there were somewhere between 10 and 50 people actually killed. All I heard yesterday was 450 to 500. A bunch of them were children. Uh, the building was demolished. No, no, no. It was the parking lot next to the building. No structure of the building was even damaged. But Rashida Tlaib is there pumping up a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, Americans of Palestinian descent and encouraging them to, uh, you know, we're not going to stand for this. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you asking your people to do? And and where is the decency? Are we going to find it again? You know, there was a volunteer working with uh, Melanie Phillips in one of these kitchens. And she said it was a group of Christians from a disaster relief organization based in Texas. She said they came to help the Jewish people in their hour of need. And she said, faced with this simple human decency among people who really do understand the difference between good and evil, whose open hearts had brought them thousands of miles to help, she said, I was able to cry. I get it. I get it. I have not been able to cry. Well, I have, finally, but it took a while. The fury was much more the the relevant emotion. Don't forget, coming up after me, Eric Erickson, and then uh, Joe Pags, Lars Larson, the guys overnight, and tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back to finish off this week. And then at uh, 9 o'clock, Brian Kilmeade at noon, Dan Bongino comes back, and then I'll be back at 3 to finish off my week. So there's one segment left today. Please stay right where you are. So as I said, you know, all I ever hear about is the uh, so-called misinformation, right? And then you see something like a, a, a sitting congressperson 
giving misinformation and getting people all jazzed up over something that absolutely was proven to be false. Like, I, I looked at all of the same photographs that everybody else looked at yesterday. I listened to the audio tape of the two terrorists discussing what actually had happened. And still, if I knew the truth, how is it that a congresswoman didn't know the truth? First, she repeats this lie that 471 people were killed at the hospital. But now we find out the number was closer to like 10 or 50. 10 to 50 is the estimate. And not the hospital. The, the Al-Ahli Arab Hospital wasn't bombed. No, the, the parking lot adjacent, or its parking lot, was where the missile landed. So that's a pretty important fact. When France's newspaper says that they saw 15 bodies, lifeless bodies, and they had video footage of the area moments after the explosion, and four of the bodies were of babies, isn't that bad enough? Why did they have to inflate that? Open source in intelligence which, by the way, means any of us can see it, including Rashida Tlaib, analyzed the incident using satellite imagery that they got through a Skywatch satellite. And there's no difference. They couldn't find any difference in the area around the hospital complex. So then they examined the graveyard from which the projectile was reportedly launched, and that's according to the phone call that was released where the two terrorists are talking about, uh-oh, you know, that wasn't Israel. One of those rockets fell at the uh, hospital parking lot instead of in Israel where we were sending it. So does anybody care that actually they were sending it to kill more innocent Israelis? Apparently not. Rashida Tlaib didn't care. She didn't even think for a moment, wow, that rocket was actually intended to kill more civilians. But they were Jews, so it don't matter. Oh, my gosh. These are some terrible, terrible times. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. So make, be careful what you read and what you take into your brain. And understand that this is a spiritual battle that's taking place. And then uh, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And don't believe everything you read the first time. Wait until you know. May God bless you and may God bless Israel and may God bless the USA. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.